Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. This is message number two in the series titled, Heaven is for Real. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 3, in just a moment we're going to look at two verses in 1 John chapter 3. The title of the message today, Heaven's Experience. In April of 2012, uh, Time Magazine ran a cover story. The title of it was, Heaven Can't Wait, Why Rethinking the Hereafter Could Make the World a Better Place. In the next issue, after that issue went out, Time Magazine printed a letter to the editor from one Mark Herbert, who's from Walnut Creek, California. Here's what Mark wrote. Your story about heaven says that 85% of Americans believe in heaven. That's incredible. They think of heaven as a quiet and peaceful as quiet and peaceful with no need to do anything. That sounds pretty dull to me. What do you do with all of that free time? And it goes on forever and ever. That was the article that they published. Um, First of all, I I would hesitate uh, to get theological tips from Time Magazine. But the response of this reader does bring up a point about heaven. Is heaven dull? Is heaven boring? I mean, that's a valid question. I'm certain that heaven will neither be dull nor boring. I'm equally certain that our value system will be different in heaven than it is in this life. Believers know who they are in this life, but who we become is yet to be seen. That is a mystery to be revealed. And here is the text. So what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so are we. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now I want to give you an outline to this passage. This is not the outline that we're going to use today in the, in the message. But you could outline those three verses this way. What we are, what we will be, and what we should be. If you have preacher in you, you can write that down. That's a good, uh, Chris, there's your good outline for this. What we are, what we will be, what we should be. However, in this series, we're specifically looking at the experience of heaven. And last time we speculated on what the experience might be on our first day, our first arrival in heaven. And I want to go a little further with that experience today. One thing is for sure, when we get to heaven, we will experience God. And that's the first point of the message today, experiencing God. 
Now, how do we experience God in this life? Well, we experience God a lot of different ways, but not everyone has the same experience. Some may never experience God at all. Sometimes when we're singing or if we're enjoying someone singing, I will see people experiencing God. Now, I see it in various ways. Some people raise their hands. Today, during the choir special, one of you stood and you raised your hands. You were experiencing God. Sometimes people will just close their eyes and experience God. Or some will just pay attention to the song and they too are experiencing God. Because someone raises their hand or doesn't raise their hand, because someone keeps their eyes open or keeps their eyes closed, is not an indication that they are experiencing God. Experiencing God is something that that we can do with eyes open or eyes closed, with hands raised or hands down. Nevertheless, it is important that we experience God and we fix our attention on the things of God. We are not all the same and we're not going to, we will not all experience God in the exact same way. We are different people with different experiences regarding uh, the Lord. The presence of God in his word or creation is something experienced in unique ways. How will we experience God in heaven? Well, our text says that we will see him as he is. Now, what does that mean? What can that mean for us to see him as he is? Well, first of all, we will see God in his presence. We will experience God's presence. Moses never saw the face of God, but even in speaking with God on Mount Sinai, when he came away from the presence of God, he had a glow about him. It was clear that he had experienced God. Exodus 34 and 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Now this passage goes on to say that Moses had to cover his face with a veil. And the reason that he had to cover his face with a veil is because he was going to be speaking to the Israelites. And the Israelites could not look upon him because his face was glowing. His face was glowing because he had seen God. He had experienced the presence of God. Now, sometimes I'll talk to people who are part of this ministry, and here's what I will say to them, particularly under one set of circumstances. I will, I will plead with them not to lose their shine. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes we'll have a, a really good member, somebody that just, oh man, they're soaking up everything and, and their faces are aglow with the joy of being a part of this church family. And (laughs) they see Pastor Ray as Pastor Ray, and they see all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And and their Sunday experience uh, is a wonderful thing, and it gives them a glow. However, 
when the Sunday experience and relationships and fellowship changes and they become responsibilities of the daily life, the reality of ministry can cause some to lose their shine. I say to every teacher that comes to teach for our school, I, I say to them, please don't come and teach at North Florida Christian School if you don't love or don't feel like you can love North Florida Baptist Church. It's a ministry of our church. Just like I I wouldn't want a Sunday school teacher to teach Sunday school if that Sunday school teacher couldn't love the ministry and couldn't love uh, the the church. And and that is a a very common thing. And I I tell teachers and and so on. However, sometimes when people come to work for us, whether it's as a teacher or as an administrative assistant or whatever it may be, they, they lose a little of the, the enamor of the Sunday morning and they step into the reality of the Monday morning. <clears throat> and Monday morning and Sunday mornings are completely different. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not the same people on Monday that we are on Sunday, but it means that our responsibilities change on Monday <clears throat> from what they were on Sunday. And I have seen it more times than one that people will lose their shine. I have seen it <clears throat> translate from, wow, I get to be a part of this ministry to, do I have to come to church? And, and the <clears throat> sad thing is, it's a loss of the shine. Now, I want to tell you something. When you're in the presence of God, and when you are experiencing God, and, and you want to experience God, there is a certain shine about you. It's a very distinct thing. I can't tell you exactly what it is because, as I said earlier, it manifests itself differently in different people's lives. <clears throat> but there is a, a shine when you experience God's presence. So in heaven, here's what I can tell you. We will all have the shine. And we'll all have the shine because we'll all be experiencing God. We'll experience not only his presence, but his person. A while back, I was in the airport in Budapest, Hungary. And as I sat there, I thought I saw Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, You know, the, the, you might be a, you might be a redneck, that guy. And I was sitting there drinking some, some coffee, and, uh, and I, I looked across the way, and, and it, I was pretty sure that it was him, and uh, there was a lady with him, and later, <clears throat> I was waiting to get on the airplane, and I, I stood up to, to get in line, and sure enough, he stood right beside me, <clears throat> right here, and I looked over at him, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing great. <clears throat> I had a pleasant trip. And he said, yep. <clears throat> and I said, well, to be honest with you, I recognized you earlier um, when I was having some coffee, but I didn't bum rush you because I figure you get bum rushed all the time. And he said, well, you know, <clears throat> it's not really, hadn't been that way on this trip. He said, not as many people know about me over here. And I said, well, I'm, it's, it's good to meet you. 
Well, he said, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. He said, Tallahassee, Florida. You know what? Bobby Bowden is my hero, he said. That's what he said. Bobby Bowden is my hero. And uh, he said, do you know him? I said, yeah, I do. I know him. And he said, let me ask you a question. His wife was standing there. That was was his wife. He said, let me ask you a question. Uh, What's he like? And I said, well, have you seen him on television doing interviews and and talking and all that kind of thing? He said, yeah. And I said, he's exactly what you think he is. No different. He is exactly who you assume him to be. And then here's what he said. He said, I wish more people were like that. Some of the celebrities I know are two different people. They're one in the public and they're another in person. He said, you hardly recognize them as the same person. And then he said, I hope I'm not like that. And I said, well, you don't appear to be that way. And uh, by this time, some others had picked up on who he was and he started talking to them. The Bible says that when we go to heaven, we will see the Lord as he is. We will see him the way that he is to be seen. I hope we have a good perspective of him today, but we don't always have a good perspective. But in heaven, we will see him the way that we're supposed to uh, see him. All preconceived notions of what his person might look like will have been corrected. You remember I said we'll have instant knowledge? We will. And we will absolutely and immediately know what he looks like. We're going to experience God, his presence. We're going to experience his uh, person. And we're going to experience his perfection. We may not know what God is going to look like as God the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit, But we do know this, that he is holy and he is perfect. Absolutely holy and absolutely perfect. James tells us that there is no flaw in him whatsoever. He's perfect. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, because our text says that we will be like him, some believe that we're going to be just like Jesus in his resurrected body, about 33 years old. Now, I don't know the answer to that. I kind of think that. I don't think that we're going to be old in heaven. I think that we're going to be like Jesus in heaven. By the same token, I'm not sure there won't be children in heaven either. I just don't know. And and not saying that children don't go to heaven when they die, but but do they remain as a child? Uh, I'm not sure. I and and I don't I don't know. and, And I'll find that out. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of things we don't know. But we are promised this: that we are going to be like him. Now that implies a perfect existence with a holy and perfect God. We have not had 
a perfect relationship on this earth with anybody ever. But in heaven, we'll have a perfect existence in a perfect relationship with a perfect and holy God when we get to heaven. When we experience heaven, we're going to experience God. Doesn't mean that we have to wait till we get to heaven to experience him, but we're definitely going to experience him. Here's the second thing. We're going to experience gain. There'll be some gain when we get to heaven. At some point in this series, we're going to discover that there are some distinguishing marks of us in heaven. We will certainly maintain our individuality in heaven. Now we have a partial knowledge, but in heaven we'll have total knowledge, or as we said last week, total recall. And and we're going to have some individuality in heaven that we will recognize. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. I'm pretty sure that I will have some improvements in heaven. For instance, I feel pretty certain that I will have a better name in heaven. My mother gave me uh, a first, a middle, and a last name. The first name she gave me was a, a wonderful boy's name, Randall. My name is Randall. And then my mother gave me a girl's second name. <clears throat> Literally, my second name is a girl's name. My second name, my middle name is Gail. Go ahead, let it out. <clears throat> That's my second name. You say, well, I've known, I knew a man one time named Gail. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> How many do you know named David. Or John. Those are all very common. I, or George. I could have been Randall George Ray. I could have been any number of things. But nope. For some reason, after she had named six girls in the family, she felt like, let me throw out another girl's name. I was looking for a seventh girl, so let me just throw out this name for him Randall Gale. <coughs> when I get to heaven, I think that. that I will get a new name, or that Gail will be far more acceptable in heaven than it is here. There may be a whole section of heaven for the Gales. I don't know. And the men named Gail, and, and I'm, I will enjoy that with Gail Sayers, and that's about it. Uh, I will tell you this beyond that distinction, there are some custom things being done for me and for you in heaven. For instance, we're having a custom residence made, and it's being fashioned for you and for me. And beyond that, there's the matter of reward in heaven. Here's what we know about heaven. First of all, in experiencing gain, we know that there will be treasures in heaven. Have you thought about that? There will be treasures in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven rather than on the earth. Further, he gives some insight as to how this is done. 
in Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, (coughs) there will your heart be also. Now there are two things that we have in this life. We have possessions and we have treasures. Everybody here, everybody here has both. You have both treasures and uh, possessions. The treasures in life are those people, places, and things that capture our hearts. They're not just our, our possessions. These are things that capture our, our hearts. The instruction of Jesus is that we're to commit to heaven the treasures of your heart. Now, here's the thing about the treasure of your heart. I'll just give you my own personal treasure. My own personal treasure of my heart, my treasures have faces and names. They don't have wheels. They don't have dollar signs. They don't have... uh, title deeds or mortgages. I'm just being honest with you. That which I want to send on to heaven has faces and names. Those are my my treasures. And Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And so that's where they are. They're not the faces on money, but the faces of family. They're the faces of friend. And in this life, we should treasure that which can be transferred to heaven. You never want to to lose that which you have in this life that you truly treasure. Looking at Joe and Mindy here and thinking about uh, Logan and Landon. Particularly, I'm thinking about Logan. What a treasure she is. You know, Logan is the, (coughs) Logan and Landon are the only treasures you have on this earth that you can transfer to heaven. No other treasure. Nothing else, Larry. Nothing else. Now, do we get rewards in heaven for other things? Absolutely. But as far as a direct transfer is concerned, the only direct transfer from earth to heaven are those faces and those people. We transfer them. That being said, when we're in heaven, there'll still be treasures on earth. That's interesting. While we're experiencing treasures in heaven, there's still treasures on earth. Now, I want to go back and visit a message that I brought a few weeks ago. You may recall from our uh, series titled Finding Your Faith that the last verse of Hebrews 11 gives insight into the continuing development of our eternal reward, the fruit of our life. Hebrews 11:39, And all these... <clears throat> that is, all the people of, of Hebrews that were mentioned, though commended, <clears throat> though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, <clears throat> that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. <clears throat> now, we learned something about that verse that I want to relearn today. I want to reestablish today. Here's what we learned. We learned that when we get to heaven that our maturity or perfection does not end, that, it, <clears throat> that we continue 
uh, to grow to a certain extent. And here's what I mean by that. As we get to heaven, <clears throat> our reward continues to grow as we see those on earth that we left behind and in whose lives we invested the gospel and <clears throat> in whose lives we invested our testimony. When we get to heaven, we begin to see our investments grow or mature or get stronger as they <clears throat> come to know the Lord. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's like when... When I die, probably my grandchildren will, get, will grow up and be married. <clears throat> now, when my grandchildren grow up and be married, they will probably have children. And those children, I hope, will be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> and when those great-grandchildren who I may never see, get saved, then my faith is maturing in heaven. <clears throat> my faith is growing in heaven. Here's what I'm doing. I am seeing my treasures on earth literally transferred to heaven. And that is, <clears throat> that is all a part of experiencing gain. There is going to be constant rejoicing in heaven as <clears throat> those treasures on earth become citizens of heaven. A constant rejoicing at that. <clears throat> you, can't, you can't end the rejoicing of that. <clears throat> they will continue, continue to get better and better and better. And, and <clears throat> your family circle in heaven gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the joy gets greater and greater and greater. And why is all of that? <clears throat> because we're experiencing gain. The experience of heaven <clears throat> is a matter of experiencing God experiencing gain. And here's the last point, experiencing glory. Revelation 21, 23. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now from this side of heaven, the glory of God is seen in a much different light. That which some people think is glorifying to God other people do not think is glorifying to God at all. <clears throat> For instance, you can go to some churches this morning, and those churches are what we would refer to as liturgical. <clears throat> you know what liturgical means? They, they are very, uh, <clears throat> they're very organized, and they're very uh, staid in their worship, and they're very, uh, <clears throat> they're, they're very deliberate in how they do things, and it, it follows some sort of a uh, a pattern, almost a, a ritual, if you will, very liturgical. There are other churches where, <clears throat> I mean, there's no liturgy whatsoever. You go in there and it is absolutely just uh, <clears throat> everything is spontaneous. Everything is. You go in some churches and they sing very <clears throat> straight and and, um, and, and conservative hymns. You go in other churches and it's like a rock concert. <clears throat> it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, here's the question. And, <clears throat> and this, is, this is kind of an interesting thing. We have a tendency <clears throat> on this side of heaven 
to define what glorifies God. We do, Larry. We, we have a tendency to say, okay, this thing right here that I really like glorifies God. <clears throat> this thing over here that I don't like at all doesn't glorify God. Now, the truth is, it may not edify you, but it may glorify God. I don't know. I can tell you that I have been in some very liturgical settings that didn't edify me, and I didn't really feel like that it glorified God. But by the same token, I've been to other places that there was a certain degree of liturgy about it, there was a certain degree of staidness about it, and and so on, and quite honestly, I was deeply moved in those places. I have been, um, I've been to those churches, and there's plenty of them. I've been to those churches that, that are absolutely rocking out all the time. <clears throat> absolutely rocking out. And some of them turned me off. Some of them edified me. <clears throat> I felt that God was being glorified in certain situations and and not glorified in other situations now now let me let me say this to you <clears throat> I am not the measure of the glory of God you come to me and you say do you think God's being glorified by that and my answer is really not very significant <clears throat> other than that in within my <clears throat> scope of leadership I guess the question is are we being edified by it are we being built up by it? I said all that to say this, that we, we tend, to, we tend to, to see God glorified based on our frame of reference, what we're comfortable with. But we went to, we went to South Africa And we saw them in South Africa sing a completely different way than we sing and a completely different song than we understood. And and it was all just completely different. But I'm not here to tell you that God wasn't glorified there. I said all of that to say this. There will be no questioning when we get to heaven. And and when we get to heaven, the glorification of God is will be obvious it will all be about God's glory well how what kind of music do you think they're going to have heavenly music well which kind is that heaven's music yeah but I want to know right here well you can't until you get to heaven just can't here's what I can tell you about the glory of God It'll have the right motivation. When we get to heaven, our motivation won't be in question. When we will uh, be then what we should be now, motivated by God. It it will be our desire to give God glory. And we will sing at the throne and lay crowns at his feet and praise his name. And the glory of heaven (laughs) is the glory of God. That's where it all belongs. It doesn't belong with us. It doesn't belong with me. It doesn't belong by my... There will be nobody who comes to me in heaven and leans up beside me and says, you really think this is glorifying God? 
And I'm sure that we'll all have good attitudes in heaven, but if there's a shut up allowed in heaven, I'll probably tell you to shut up. And we'll have a moment where neither of us glorify God. <clears throat> Jude said it best in Jude 25. The reason there's no chapter given is because Jude only has one chapter. Jude verse 25, <coughs> to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. <coughs> the motivation of heaven is the glory of God. And by the way, let's talk about the music <coughs> of heaven. There's a reason that we call heaven glory land. As I was studying for this sermon, I thought about all the Glory Land songs that I've known over the years. And there's a lot of old Southern gospel songs that talk about Glory Land. And I love Glory Land. We get the word glory from the Greek word doxa. And guess what else we get from the Greek word doxa? The doxology. Years ago, in the final game of the World Series, Oral Hershiser walked off the pitcher's mound. I remember it. <clears throat> I was watching this World Series. He walked off the pitcher's mound, and he was talking to himself. I, I, I can remember him doing that. He walked off the back of it, and, and Mike, you, you probably remember that World Series. <clears throat> he was just, just looking up and talking. <clears throat> what in the world is he saying? And after winning the World Series, he appeared on the Johnny Carson show. <clears throat> Carson said, hey, everybody wants to know, what were you saying <coughs> when you walked off that mound? What were you saying back there? And Hershiser said, well, I, I wasn't talking, I was singing. <clears throat> and Carson said, well, what were you singing? He said, <clears throat> I was singing the doxology. And uh, Carson said, well, sing it for us. He said, no, no, I, <clears throat> I don't want to sing it. And everybody, don't you all want to hear him say, yeah, yeah, everybody clap. <clears throat> Oral Hershiser sat there and he said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The music of heaven? The music of heaven is going to be glory. Doxa. <clears throat> will we sing the doxology in heaven? If I can remember to, I will. <clears throat> if I can remember when I get to heaven, we're going to experience <clears throat> real praise. It may or may not include the words of the doxology, but it will be a doxology. Eternal praise <clears throat> to our eternal God. When we're experiencing glory, there's a motivation and there's a music. <clears throat> there is the message. The night of Jesus' birth, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest. What's the theme in heaven? Revelation 5.11, 
Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory uh, forever and ever. I wish that I could sing a song to convey that glory. There are some great songs that have been written and are being written. But none can really convey that glory. I wish that I could write a poem to speak of heaven's experience. And there's certainly beautiful poetry. <clears throat> I, wish that, I wish that one of my sermons could, could qualify to give you some kind of insight that you need as to how wonderful and magnificent and absolutely beyond <clears throat> measure heaven is going to be. So much so that you would want to serve God more and more every day in light of how good it's going to be when you get in your presence. I wish that somehow or another I could get past who I am and reach beyond my finite mind and thinking and ability and open <clears throat> the door of heaven to you so that you could look in and say, that really is glorious. I can't do that, and I don't have to do that, because I will say to you that one day we will stand in the presence. And if we have any total recall, here's what might happen. We'll think back. I remember the preacher saying that on the Sunday before Mother's Day, that it's just going to be glorious. Heaven's not going to be dull. Heaven is not going to be boring. It'll be more than we know or can know on this side of eternity. It'll be better than any blessing or joy that we hope to have here. Our time will be occupied with what I don't know. But we won't just like it, we'll love it. We'll absolutely love it. I do know this, there will not be one of us who enters the gates of heaven who'll look back to this life and say, oh man, I wish I could go back to Tallahassee. I miss the pollen. Oh. <clears throat> Man alive, I just miss that. I wish I could go back there. <laughs> no one in heaven wishes to be back on earth. And I'm going to tell you this. No one in heaven wishes that they were in hell, but there, everybody in hell wishes they were in heaven. <clears throat> I close with this. Bill Bright, the founder of the campus crusade just months before he died in July of 2003 shared these inspiring words even though I've always believed in heaven and hell after I became a believer I gave little thought to it but in recent months I've been writing on heaven and hell my logic is this the God whom we worship created at least 100 billion galaxies, some astronomers would say 200 billion. 
do we give God credit? They say it was the Big Bang, but it was this great creator God who made all majesty and glory. You can imagine then what he's done to create a heaven. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither knows the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Beauty and magnificence beyond anything our little finite minds can imagine. Oh, when I was a boy, my, uh, <clears throat> it's a whole different kind of church than we have, different kind of church than probably any of you have ever experienced. <clears throat> they would sometimes have what they called altar services, altar calls and altar services. And they were shouting Baptist. They called it getting happy. <clears throat> you ever heard of getting happy? <clears throat> they get happy. And uh, I remember my daddy. <clears throat> my daddy was very, very somber all the time. He was, I am not my father's son. <clears throat> I look like him. I sound like him. I'm a preacher. He was a preacher. But uh, <clears throat> my daddy was serious business. Now, I'm serious business, but I got a streak of my mama in me, which is just absolutely nuts. <clears throat> I see my daddy get on the edge of getting happy. <clears throat> and I remember him. Daddy couldn't sing. He's, he's like me. He preached his voice out. And uh, <clears throat> he, he tried to sing. He loved to, but he couldn't really. But he, uh, when he'd get happy, he would sing. Uh, this is just an old song. It's nothing that you're going to think special, but it's special to me. <clears throat> he'd sing, I'm going to heaven. And don't you want to go? I'm a going to heaven. And don't you want to go? I'm going to heaven. And don't you want to go? Yes, we will go. He'd say, to see my happy father. And don't you want to go to see my happy mother? And don't you want to go? To see my friends and brothers. And don't you want to go? Yes, we will go. And other people would start singing and joining in. Until the whole church was swaying back and forth and singing, I'm a going to heaven and don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? Heaven is for real. And it's something that we should look forward to. It's something that we should know is ours at the end of this life because of the forgiveness and the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to heaven. Don't you want to go? You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.